This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are once again working on the whole topic of forgiveness, and we understand that relationships can be hard. We understand that there are just varying degrees of heartache and relational dysfunctionality um, that has occurred. And so when you hear us talking, um, know that we ourselves have gone through difficult relational breaks and and wrongs, but we've also come alongside of many people that in our own churches where that they have also. And so we are not trying to be dismissive about maybe the the difficulties you find yourself in or have experienced and um but at the end of the day um what we do know is that there's a call upon our lives as as God's people to forgive we know that there's a call upon our lives to not only be willing to forgive but to grant that forgiveness when people repent and come and that there is a, hopefully the 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 goal is um reconciliation mm-hmm. full restoration of a broken relationship and depending upon the offense, we know that that can be a, a hard ask, that, that that might be something that may take years and years and years and years to happen. But it doesn't take away from the fact, the reality that restoration should be the ultimate, ultimate goal. And humanly speaking, that, that might be a, a long journey. Today, we want to address some common misunderstandings that um, come into play when we, you just deal with the whole topic of forgiveness. And so I am going to just give little prompts, and the guys in the studio, boy, they're just going to they're going to run wild today. Yeah, um, so stallions. I'm, yes, so I'm so excited about this. Um, I can basically sit back, relax, and do very little. So this common, is where Andrew puts crickets. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> recording. Mm-hmm. So the first common misunderstanding is the whole practice of excusing. What is in, in play there? So this is the idea that if you are offended and you go and you confront the person who's done the offense and they offer their, their reasoning or their explanation for their actions, you're able to accept those motivations and, and simply excuse the behavior, excuse the offense. So it's not forgiveness, but because it, it ultimately determines that there's no real debt. So this wasn't a real offense because you were able to ask clarifying questions about motivations or actions or reasons, and those are acceptable to you and you're able to excuse it. And sometimes a phrase maybe that's probably a little bit better than excuse is just overlook. Yeah. And if you go good. back to what we were talking about with Ken Sandy's Peacemaker, he would use the word overlook here. Um, this particular author that we're looking at uses the word excusing, yeah. um, but the meaning is the same. This happened last night. So we've, we've got a we've got a new puppy at our house, and so we're playing with toys and stuff, and my youngest daughter threw the ball and hit my oldest 
son. And he got offended and looked at her and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. And so what he took to be an offensive strike at him, she was able to explain it was just an accident. And mm-hmm. he's able to excuse it and overlook it. The second common misunderstanding is denying or whitewashing. This is just kind of not really forgiving. It's just pretending that nothing has happened. Maybe uh, it's kind of in the escape route um, mm. that we looked at before. Yeah. Um, just not dealing with it, hiding it under the rug, and uh, just glossing over when something actually has been done. And I think this is the danger. If you, you're basically saying to somebody, I forgive you anyway, even though they haven't sought repentance or anything. So mm-hmm. in one sense, it only it, you know, antagonizes them. It's not it's not loving it's not it might even increase the hostility you, when you walk up to somebody and say i forgive you and they haven't even uh, got to the point where they've uh, repented or acknowledged the hurt uh, that's there there's a danger in that and it, it will in one sense it it increases their angst against you what what do you mean you forgive me <laughs> you know i didn't do anything wrong well, the they whole idea, I mean, we've all been in these situations like, wait a minute. Oh, you're going to, you're going to pretend like nothing happened. Well, at that point, a debt has been incurred. Yeah. yeah. But when the other person pretends like there hasn't been a debt, that doesn't erase the debt. That just creates an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure all of us have been in those moments where you're like, wait, that doesn't work this way. Just ignorance doesn't make it go away. You know, denying doesn't make it go away. It's still there. To use the debt analogy, I mean, you could overlook the fact that you owe a certain amount in your house and just not pay, but pretty much you'll lose your home. Mm-hmm. The third misunderstanding is only refraining from active revenge. What does the author mean by this? Many will say, you know, I, I forgive you, but I just can't forget this. I, I, I can't overlook it. I can't, I, it's always going to be at the forefront of my mind. And what it really means is I won't actively seek to harm you now, but there's a, a distance and a coldness I'm going to create between us. And I'm going to root for you to fail because you still owe me in terms of that debt language. In short, you, you refuse to make that inward payment, and instead you wait for bad things to happen to that person so that you can feel you've been paid. This is that whole nursing something right totally it's, it's there mm-hmm. holding a grudge yep but you're really hoping that that i mean in a lot of ways this is this odd view of karma yeah yep like you've wronged me i'm not going to actively seek revenge but i am going to hope that something happens to you yeah and this mm-hmm. is this is different this is different than just simply saying that you can't trust that person uh, there, there is a, mm-hmm. you know, as you point out, this is when you say I can't forget, you're saying you're saying more than I can't trust you. I can't forget, as you said, is going to I'm going to treat you with a coldness and a bitterness and hope that something goes wrong for you. Uh, whereas uh, we're called to, you know, we're we're not always bound to trust the enemy, uh, but we're bound to forgive them when they've harmed us. This is kind of a passive-aggressive revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to hope something happens to you. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is suspending judgment. This one's a violation of Christ's teaching in Luke 17, 3, uh, where he says, if you take heed to yourselves, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day 
and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And suspending judgment is the idea of, okay, I'll forgive you this time, but next time, if it happens again, I'm not going to forgive you. And there'll be severe consequences. And, you know, it's this, you know, as we talk about forgiveness, we talked about it before and previously how we need to rest on Christ to do it. And after Jesus gives that teaching in Luke 17, the disciples' response is immediately, Lord, increase our faith. You know, what he's calling us to do, there's a recognition that we can't do this on our own. We need you. Forgiveness isn't putting somebody on probation. Right. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. This one is really just keeping a record and saying, I'm going to wait until it weighs enough or the debt is high enough, then I'll act. But I'm not letting go of it. The fifth in fifth misunderstanding is weaponizing condescending mercy that sounds like a mouthful um, it's actually not as complicated as, as it sounds what does he mean by that essentially it's, it's a lifting yourself up over the person who is in your debt and while extending mercy you're, you're really building up your reputation and, and letting them know that they they owe you because you've forgiven them and so this is you know extracting uh, you've done something good for them so they owe you uh, the author says this is actually a form of revenge where you just continue mm-hmm. to rake this person over the coals for what they've done to you. It's not actual forgiveness because there's no restored or reconciled relationship. It's a looking, it's a patting yourself on the back and yep. declaring to everyone else, look how wonderful I am, yep. how gracious I am to forgive this person. Yep. I'm and, not bringing this up now, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the idea of holding it in one sense over their head all the time yep. uh, without even mentioning it. Yep. The sixth one is abandoning justice. Um, Vinny talked about this a couple of days ago, but let's work through this again. Yeah, so justice is is calling the wrongdoer to admit that the sin to God and that the wrong, and then to bear whatever penalty either God's law or human law requires. When we abandon that, uh, even for the perpetrator's sake, we're abandoning justice. It's never loving to allow someone to go on sinning in a grievous way, to avoid that. Justice demands to be answered. Part of forgiveness allows us to pursue godly, holy, and righteous justice with an individual. If we take an unforgiving posture, what we're actually pursuing is revenge. See the previous item. Mm -hmm. Um, Justice seeks to forgive and then allow the natural consequences that occur to follow. Yeah, we're we're not uh, treating the offender as if he's done no wrong. Uh, That would be to condone the offense. And so that, you know, by abandoning justice or that, need for justice, we're treating it as if there was no offense ever taken. And that's not upholding the righteous requirements uh, that God has for us. And especially in the instance where the sin is such that it's even a violation of human law, it's a crime. Yep. Um, just because you are sorrowful and you say you're sorry and you ask forgiveness doesn't mean you don't do the penalty that that law requires that you've broken. Yeah. And, uh, so, go ahead. I think well, I think this one gets combined with whitewashing so often yeah. in the church. I mean, we can read all the headlines. We've read all of them in denominations and different churches where they've they've tried to, for the sake of a misunderstanding of forgiveness or grace, whitewash and then deny justice. And right. man, they're just all kinds of victimization and, and brokenness associated when when we don't get this one right. Yep. I as a former teacher, there were moments when I would be dealing with a, a young person that had done something wrong, and they would say they were sorry, and I said, "Well, I forgive you." And then 
they were always shocked that there were consequences. And they're like, but I said I was sorry. And mm-hmm. I said, and I also said that I forgave you. Yeah. But there are consequences. Your offense demands justice. Mm-hmm. There, there's still going to be a consequence to your actions. That doesn't change the fact that I've forgiven you. Mm-hmm. I clearly have forgiven you. However, justice still demands something. Mm-hmm. You've committed a wrong that there is going to be a punishment for. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree this is just makes me heart sick, what has happened in the church. And unfortunately, it's it's all across the, the 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 range of denominations and beliefs or whatever um, where there hasn't been justice yep. and it, it's not God honoring. I would personally go, go so far as to say that if somebody has done such and such and is not willing to suffer the consequences of their actions, even though forgiveness is given, they haven't really repented at all. That's right. The last misunderstanding is immediate trust. Sometimes people think that forgiveness means we have to immediately resume the relationship with the wrongdoer at the level it was before. Mm-hmm. And that just is not true. Right. Why? Because there is a relationship that has been broken. And there may have been trust before, but forgiveness is just, as we mentioned before, that first step in this process. And it's a working towards reconciliation that we hope will happen but through that that trust has to be built over time it's it's not something that comes back like that it it has to be built over time there has to be proof of trustworthiness it's it's confusing the the whole the two words trust and forgiveness trust is something that will follow but is not something that is co that that shares the same space as forgiveness. And we will develop this more and more tomorrow because it's so important. We'll see you then.